And the theme is the love that we have from the Father, which is after the finished work that Jesus did that Ellen started with last week, the work that has been completed in love, in the greatness of love that we, the most, greatest extent of love that we can begin to fathom, the next piece to unlock the healing that's already been purchased is to know God's love for us. There's nothing more important, not a greater key, not a greater tool of wisdom for unlocking your healing that's already purchased. So that's why I wanted to start with this session right after the, the introduction of the finished work of Jesus. Another tool, another key that is beyond amazing for each one of us. So this is another wisdom key. So let's talk just a second about that word wisdom. The word knowledge, when you look it up in a dictionary, the word knowledge means to gain knowledge, to gain information. The biblical word knowledge, depending on whether you're using Old or New Testament, is um, um, a growing in knowing, a deepening in knowing. It's, it's progressive, growing to know, coming to know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, more and more and more. And that's what this theme is, knowing his love. But as we do that, we have this, 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 this key or this tool that on my heart, my prayer, and I'm going to pray this in just a second, my prayer is that it will move from a knowledge thing into a wisdom thing. And it'll move from just knowing to having a knowledge that will change you from the inside out that you'll perceive in a way, that your heart will perceive his love in a way that is experiential, in a way that you know that you know that you know that healing is yours because your father paid for it for you, because he loves you so much. So we're, we're praying right now that knowledge will increase and we'll have this godly wisdom, this key that we know that father loves us. So I pray right now for that father God I pray the same prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. I pray, Father, that there is a light shining inside of us, in our heart, in our mind, and that our understanding just opens up and that wisdom and revelation grow. I pray, Father, that the revelation isn't my revelation. It's not... Tom's or Fran's revelation, but it is every individual's revelation here that we are loved by our Father, and that is a key to receiving the gift that he's already given us. So I pray, Father, for wisdom to be unveiled, wisdom to be deep, wisdom to just flood us, and that there is a, a deep, deep, deep foundation of knowing your love for us. Father, we just thank you. I thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do here tonight. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. So at the top of your handout, it says, you and I are loved by our Heavenly Father. You and I are loved by our Heavenly Father. It is the number one most important key to receive healing. 
I'm going to talk about two big lies in the midst of this teaching that I want to expose and replace with truth. And this is the first one. There's a problem that we have in this world. And the problem is that we live in a, a society that is performance-based. And in this performance-based society, we feel like we need to work, we need to set goals, we need to earn whatever it is that we have or that we are seeking to achieve. Hard work, college, good work ethics. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a really good thing. The problem is when we take that from our natural life and we apply it to our spiritual life and we say, well, because that's what we do in the natural, that's what we need to do in the spiritual. We need to work to earn our healing. That's the lie. We don't need to work to earn it because Jesus did all the work. Jesus completed the work. That's what Ellen taught last week. The work was completed once and for all. So there's a mindset that many of us need to switch, and we switch it by renewing our mind with truth. There's a mindset where we feel like we have to receive based on our earning instead of on the grace and the love of God. There's only one way to receive. There's only one way to receive, and that's through God's grace, through his grace, through his love. And because we know his grace and come to know his grace and come to know his love, that's why we can believe. But we need to know his grace and know his love personally in order to believe. One of my favorite quotes is from a book that I've, I've used over and over again, but it's just so powerful. It's from the shack, and it's the, the quote is that trust is the fruit of a relationship in which you know you're loved. Trust is the fruit. Trust is that, that, that beginning part of faith. Trust is that part of beginning to, to trust the person because they're trustworthy. Trust the person because they love you and they've proven their love for you. They've shown their love for you. And because of that, your trust rises up. That's how faith is birthed, through knowing God's love. The scripture that I want to share right now is Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you from two different versions. The only way to receive from God is to know his love and his grace. Listen to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Grace is God's part. Grace is the blood that he shed and the body that was broken. And because of his grace, we have been saved. The word saved is that beautiful word, sozo. That means the fullness of God's provision for man. Complete forgiveness and remission of sin. Eternal life. The fullness of life, not just life after you die, but the fullness of life while you're living now and forever. Jesus came to give us a full and abundant life. That's part of grace. Healing is part of his grace. Provision is part of his grace. Completeness, wholeness, it's all part of his grace. That's all part of salvation. 
For by grace we have been saved. Then it says through faith. Faith is the believing part. And, but listen, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Hmm. Faith is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The next translation from the New Living says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. It's not about works. We're going to talk about simply receiving. We're going to talk about being in that place of rest in his grace and not works to receive it. I'm going to read a part of a testimony from this book to you. This is the book that our series is kind of um, stems from. This is a resource that we're using as part of the, the preparation for teaching. And the man that wrote this book, his name's Greg Moore. He's a teacher at the Andrew Womack School of Ministry. And when his son, Michael, was a little tiny toddler, he, was, he had this terrible disease. I don't even know what the name of it is, but you're going to hear a little bit about the disease in here. Now, Greg Moore was a strong man of God. He and his wife were strong in their faith. And yet when their son had this issue, they had a battle on their hands. And I want to, this is just such a powerful testimony that ties right in to the concept today, the wisdom tool today, which is knowing that you're loved and that you don't have to work for healing. We just need to receive God's love. This is about Michael. When Michael began to suffer with the acute arthritic muscular condition, my wife and I really struggled to stay in faith. His joints were swollen twice their normal size. He broke out in a terrible rash, and he cried most of the time. He stopped crawling and couldn't move or even turn his neck without pain. There was very little respite. So he must have been a toddler. Imagine moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas if your toddler was in so much pain that he couldn't even crawl anymore, couldn't move his neck. This was our situation 24-7 for three months. We were desperate. It was as if we were trying to build a healing house for Michael in the midst of a terrible hurricane. To top it all off, the doctors could offer no comfort. There was no known cure for Michael's sickness. One doctor offered to do experimental treatment on Michael, but he could offer no guarantee that the procedure would be successful. We did not feel comfortable with that option and refused the treatments. Our real comfort came from the Word of God. The more time we spent reading and studying what God had to say about healing, the more confident we became that Michael would recover. But we were still struggling because we had seen no improvements in his condition. Because we were desperate, we were willing to do anything we thought would help Michael to get better. The danger there, though, the danger there, though was that we became vulnerable to grasping at spiritual straws. We became so desperate to see our son healed that we were willing to push any button or pull any lever that gave us hope for Michael's health. We tried removing all sugar and dairy from his diet, but that didn't help this condition. We asked everyone we knew to pray for him and even took him to some healing evangelists to have hands laid on him. Still, there was no noticeable improvement in his condition. 
One day, about two months into his battle for Michael's healing, my wife told me she was going to fast for at least three days for Michael's healing. There's nothing wrong with fasting, but this was not a fast to which God had called her. Rather, it was something she was doing out of desperation to try to make God move on behalf of our son. After two days of her going hungry, something surprising happened. The Lord impressed her that neither she nor I had entered into the rest of faith, considering Michael. We were unconsciously doing religious works to try to merit his healing. God told her she needed to eat and began to trust in his love for our son. He went on to say that he loved Michael more than Janice and I possibly could and that he wanted him well more than we did. When Janice shared that with me, it seemed like a dark cloud lifted from both of us. That night, Norval Hayes was a guest speaker at the church we attended. We took Michael to the service and sat in the back of the church where we would not create a disturbance. Brother Hayes preached a message on this, or yeah, Brother Hayes preached a message on the subject, the compassion of the Lord. He preached on the compassion of the Lord. And then he gave an invitation to pray for the sick. Since the Lord had revealed to us that we had slipped into trying to work for Michael's healing, we had purpose we would only do those things that the Spirit prompted us to do, including responding to invitations for prayer for healing. We both felt a strong impression to respond to this particular invitation. When Brother Hayes came to Michael and me in the prayer line, he prayed for us, and then he continued to pray for others. Suddenly, he turned and walked back toward Michael and me, wrapped his arms around both of us and began to weep with a very strong compassion. He did this for several minutes. I don't know how to describe completely what happened to us through that experience, except to say that somehow the Father's love for us, and particularly for Michael, became more real at that moment than Michael's physical condition. It was not long after that experience that Michael's condition began to improve gradually, and eventually his body was completely restored to normal. Praise God. God revealed to this man and woman of God that it wasn't about a work of faith. It was about resting in their faith. It was about resting in that position of just trusting God and knowing that they were loved and knowing that their son was loved above all. The part in here that just is so amazing how God moves, that he spoke to that mama that day. A weight was lifted off of them. A burden was lifted off of them. That night, there was a, a guest speaker, an evangelist, Norval Hayes, at their church. The teaching was on the compassion of God. And then that's how that little boy was healed, was through compassion, the compassion of Christ that was poured out through Norval Hayes. Love is such a powerful, powerful tool. This is something that they learned. And now these are mighty men and women of God. Something they learned is that our faith does not move God. That's not the purpose of faith. Our faith is for us. Our faith puts us in a position to receive. It doesn't move God because he's already done everything he's going to do. He's already moved. What our faith does is position us to receive. 
We need to stop looking for magic formulas and stop saying, okay, what am I going to do next? Sometimes it's in the natural. Like he said, they were doing diets and they were doing this and that and the next thing. And there's nothing wrong with those things if the Holy Spirit leads you to do it. That's going to be one of the wisdom keys we talk about is listening and then doing what God directs. That's what this mama did. But he, he called it pulling at spiritual straws, just trying to get their son healed. When we do that, when we do that and just have a checklist and say, okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, I'm going to try this. Okay, I'm going to try this. I want to get God to move. When we do that, what we're doing is we're adding our own works as if Jesus' work wasn't enough. And as if we need to put our works with Jesus' work in order to receive healing. No. Jesus' work was more than enough. The blood that he shed, the broken body that he lived through was more than enough. Several years ago in Pastor Tim's meeting when Fran was still with us, she had a prophetic word from God that I have kept with me. It's so powerful. And this is the word. God spoke this to us through her. He said, when you work, I rest. And when you rest, I work. So that first lie that I just want to expose again before we move on, that first lie is that we have to work to earn our healing. And I pray that that is exposed and replaced with the truth that Jesus finished the work and that we don't have to work. But then the question is, well then, how do I not work? How do I enter into that rest? And that's where the love of God comes in. Focusing on God's love. Focusing on his love for you and his care for you will bring you into that place of the rest without a struggle. Another word, rest in my finished work. That is my intention for you. Rest in my finished work. That is my intention for you. I'd like you, I know the scripture's on your paper, I know it's on the screen, but I would like you to just hear this in your heart. So just close your eyes and listen to this word from God. This is a word from the scripture about rest. And he says to you and to me, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And the first question that, that, that God asks us in that scripture is, are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you tired of, of the, the battle that you're in the middle of? 
Are you feeling worn out? And God says, if you are. And in the third sentence, the third question is a big one. Are you burned out on religion? Those are those works. Those are those works. And we've probably all been there. You know, like, oh no, I, I, I missed uh, declaring my scriptures three times yesterday. Or I didn't do this or I didn't do that or I didn't have my prayer time or I didn't read the Bible. Now, yes, all of those things are so precious and so beautiful. But if they become a religious work, then you can get burned out. God doesn't want those things to be a religious work. And how can they not be? By coming to him in this position of rest and trust and letting him love on you, receiving his love. And then he goes on and he says, come to me, come to me, get away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Let God show you. That's what he did with Greg and Janice Moore. He showed them what to do. He showed them the step to take. And that was the step that led them to, to believing and receiving for Michael and receiving the fullness of his, of his healing. I want to read with you right now a powerful scripture about God's love and our faith. It's, it's Galatians 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. The scripture has two phrases separated by a comma, and I want to talk about both phrases. The first phrase says that neither, for in Christ Jesus, when we are in Christ and Christ is in us, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. The word avails means it's, it doesn't work. There's not power. When we're looking at, and circumcision and uncircumcision refers to religiousness, religiosity. Doing it this way or doing it that way. In, this, in the writing of the Bible, this was, are you following the, the Jewish rules and regulations, the Mosaic law, or are you following the, the gospel of Jesus? The circumcision or the uncircumcision. Today it might be, are you um, believing for your healing or are you, are you believing that it's not always God's will to heal? It might be, are you saying your confessions, whatever, every day, or are you not? What are those religious works? Uh, you know, you're bouncing them around and you're asking yourself, am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? The scripture says that stuff avails nothing. And then there's a comma and there's a word, But. And whenever there's the word but in scripture, everything is reversed and God shows us exactly what he wants us to say or see. And he says, but faith working through love. But faith working through love. That word working in the scripture is the, the Greek word energeo. And it means, this is a big word. It's the same word that our word energy comes from the same root, it means to be operative, to be at work, to put forth power, and to work effectually. So this scripture says that faith 
works effectively, powerfully, and it's operative through love. Faith is effectual through love, and that love begins with knowing the Father's love. It's not your love first. Your love comes into it, but Father's love comes first. When we know the Father's love, then we're going to walk in love. But faith works through knowing the Father's love. Faith works powerfully and effectively when we understand we're loved. I'm going to give you just a simple example in, um, in the natural. Our little ones are going to be visiting in a couple weeks, our babies, our grandbabies. And I was talking via FaceTime the other day, and um, Colton and Cora were on the other end of the phone on FaceTime so they could see me and I could see them. And one of Colton's and Cora's favorite toys right now are they're these little vehicles and animals called Paw Patrol. They're little vehicles, and they all have little animals in them. And they have, I think, four or five of them, and there are seven in the set. And so I, they were playing with them and having fun, and I asked Colton, I said, so Colton, do you have all of the Paw Patrol toys yet? He said, no, Grandma. I need Chase, and Kawa needs Zuma. <laughs> And I said, oh, you do? And he's just, yeah, yes, Grandma, we need those. And I said, well, how about if Grandma makes sure that I find those and I have them waiting for you at the cottage when you come visit us? And he got all excited. Yes, 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 Grandma. He's all excited, all excited. Now, do you think that Colton is striving to believe that Grandma's going to have those toys at the cottage? Do you think he's worried if if it'll happen or not? Why? He trusts me. He knows I love him, right? He knows I'd do anything for him. And if Grandma says she's going to get those toys, she's going to get those toys. And he knows it. Now, the problem is that that one toy is crazy expensive. <laughs> and we're driving home from the cottage today, and it's like, I got to buy it. You know, it's just way out of line along with the other ones. All the rest are like $10, and this one's 20 I don't have a choice. I have to buy the expensive toy because I told him I would, and I will. <laughs> I guarantee you it will be waiting for him. But the, the scripture says faith works through love. We don't need, when we, when we know we're loved, here's the, the, the gist of this message. When we know we're loved, we don't have to strive to believe. When we know we're loved, it's a done deal. God said it. I, he loves me. Therefore, it's, it's settled. It's done. He already promised it to me. It's mine. Just like that toy and Colton and Cora. It's just as simply. Once we're convinced of God's love for us, Faith is no problem. There's a couple of, of uh, things on your paper that I'm just going to reiterate. They're so powerful. The first one is saturating our minds with the truth of God's unconditional love will do more to create a healing environment than anything else you can do. Saturating your mind, renewing your mind with the truth of God's love will do more to create a healing environment than anything else you can do. That's what Greg and Janice Moore did. 
when they saturated themselves in God's word for them, God's word for them was specific. He said to them, I want to find it again. He said to them that they need to, to begin to trust in his love. And he went on to say that he loved Michael more than Janice and Greg possibly could and that he wanted him well more than we did, more than they did. When they started saturating themselves in that word from God that God spoke to them, it created an environment for healing. So we can do that as well by gathering scriptures or a scripture, only has to be one, that talks about God's love for you and saturating yourself with it. Saturating yourself with his truth, with his word, with his promise of his love for you. And understanding that you're loved, understanding that is a prerequisite to becoming convinced that it's God's will to heal you, and that's faith. Understanding God's love, knowing it, having that wisdom key, not a head thing, but a heart thing, is a prerequisite for that faith. And it's not hard. It's not a work. It's just simply knowing his love. In the natural, again, I want to talk, go back to the natural and kind of compare God's love to, to love in the natural. In the natural, there are several ways that we can um, uh, receive and express love. One is a feeling. When you love somebody, and it could be your husband, it could be your grandchild, it could be your mom or your dad, when you love somebody, you feel love for them. You feel a connectiveness. You feel a, a softness in your heart for that person. So there's the feeling. The second way to express and receive love is through words. Many times we share words of love. Yesterday was Father's Day, and whenever we have a special event for my mom and dad or for my brothers and sisters or for Kent or our kids, I take time to use my words to express my love for them. It's just something I do. So I write, I, I get a, the most beautiful card I can find. I read every card in the, car, in the store, find the one that's the right one, and then I write, in addition to the card, I write from my heart and express my love for them, that I love them and why I love them, that I love them and, you know, just pour out my heart. I express it with my words. The third way that we demonstrate love, for, that, or that we show one another our love, is through demonstration. Kent does number one and two. I know that he loves me, and I love him. I know that he feels love for me, and he tells me all the time. But if Kent didn't demonstrate his love for me with actions that followed up his words, I probably wouldn't believe him. But he does. He demonstrates his love for me in so many ways. God does too. God does too. I want to read for you right now, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let that settle in for a minute. God 
demonstrated his love for us in an amazing way, in a huge way. That he chose to give up the life of his own son. And now all of us have been in that position where it's like, how could he do it? And we look at ourselves and say, I couldn't do that. But God's love was so great that he demonstrated his love for us by giving up his own son to die for us so that we could be reconciled to him. It wasn't just the death. There was a whole lot more than the death of his son. He knew that through the death of his son, he would be reconciled to all of his children. And it was worth it. I want to expose the second lie now. There's another problem. Another big problem. And the problem is, we're talking about receiving God's love and how receiving his love positions us to believe. But the problem is that it's often easier to believe for someone else than it is for yourself. And the reason is because we know ourselves too well. We know our own weaknesses. We know our own shortcomings. We know our, old, our own failures. And so we have this, this thing, this, and this is, this is a lie. That's why I'm just telling it to you, but this is what we, many of us do. We put all of our own shortcomings on one side of a scale. We say, okay, I've done this, this, and this. I'm a terrible person. I've, and we've all done it. I mean, we've all lived lives that we, we would like to not hold on to or remember. And then God's over here, the grace, the mercy, the love of God. And we, we look at both sides of the scale and we think, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to receive this because of this, because of the junk that I've lived and the stuff that I've done and maybe the stuff that I'm doing right now. I'm just not worthy. That's a lie. And the reason it's a lie isn't because of you being super whatever. It's a lie because Jesus paid what you deserved completely. It's done. And we don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. And if we choose to, to buy that lie, if we choose to buy that lie and say, I'm not worthy, we, it says, if Jesus died in vain, because we're not receiving, because we're looking at ourselves instead of Jesus. We're not accepting a sacrifice. His blood made us worthy. Our part, and this is what I'm sharing today, is to stop focusing on this and to focus on this. Stop looking at yourself and look at Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about what he accomplished. Put your focus on his grace, his mercy, his love, and you're entering the rest. You're entering that place of rest. And believing is easy in that place of rest. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, evil, sinful by nature, as you are, know how to give good gifts, good and advantageous, good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those 
who keep on asking him. So again, I want you to go back to yourself in this world. Think about your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones. If one of your own children was sick or suffering, you would do anything you could possibly do for them. I'll never forget when I was first diagnosed with cancer, my mo when I told my mom, she said to me, she said, I would give anything to trade places with you if I could only trade places with you. Because that's what mamas do. That's what daddies do. They will do anything in their power to help their children. This morning, one of the um, uh, amazing connections I made over the weekend, God, you know, just because you're up north doesn't mean that <laughs> ministry stops. <laughs> and God just did some amazing things this weekend. And one of the things he did was he connected me with a man whose grandson is 19 years old, either 18 or 19. And he has a one, according to the doctors, he has one to two months to live. He has a, a tumor that is, it's not cancer, but he has a tumor in his brain that is wrapped around his stem, his brain stem. And the doctors say that he has a very short time to live. The man is, um, what he, one of the things that he does on our lake is he does the fireworks every year. And he started out doing it on all of his own funds. He just loved to do it. And he would do these big firework displays. And because they were so amazing, uh, we started, as, as homeowners on the lake, starting to donate to the fireworks. So the fireworks have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So I called him this morning to talk to him about his grandson. And he said, Cindy, first of all, he was, he was in awe that I connected with him. And he was in awe of, of our story, of our testimony. And I shared other testimonies. I shared Lisa's testimony and other testimonies with him. And, and he said, I have collected this year $20,000 for fireworks because I'm doing it in honor of my grandson. He says, I, it's, I'm dedicating it to my grandson. And because everybody knows that, they're just pouring in the money, pouring in the money, pouring in the money for this beautiful fireworks display. Because this grandpa loves his grandson, and he doesn't realize that Jesus can heal his grandson. So he's doing everything he can do right now to bless his grandson. Okay. Now listen to this. If you then evil or sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give what's good and advantageous to those who ask and who keep on asking? How much more will our Father provide our healing? It's already done. The work's already done. How much more does our Father want to get that into our lives? That's what he told Greg and Janice Moore. He said, I want your son well more than you want your son well. And I say to that grandfather, God wants your grandson well more than you want your grandson well. We're going to be back up there 4th of July weekend, and we set up a time. We're going to go over there, and we're going to pray for that boy. And we're going to believe God 
with all of our heart, that that brain stem cell thing has to be healed. It's already done. It's already done in Jesus' name. God loves you. And that's the basis for your healing, period. God loves you. He loves me. And that's the basis for our healing. It has nothing to do with works or performance. It has nothing to do with worthiness or unworthiness. God loves you. And that's the sole basis for your healing. He's provided everything you're going to need through Jesus' death and resurrection. We're going to do one last scripture and then we're going to worship. This is Psalm 91. I taught on this a couple weeks ago. And I want to read the last two verses again today. This is a, a word that God brought to life in me in 2010 when I um, had a battle with fear, mostly with fear, about recurring cancer. I was healed in 2002, and then in 2010, I had a lump in my neck, and I had all kinds of tests, and I ended up having a surgery, and during that whole season, it was a, quite a long season, I was standing on God's word. I was standing on his truths, his precious healing truths. And this particular one kept me steadfast during that season. I'm going to read it first directly from the Bible. And then I'm going to read it in the way that I paraphrased it or personalized it for me. But this is what the Bible says. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name, has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness, trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. He shall call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So as, I, as God started to unveil the scripture to me, I saw the centerpiece of the scripture, which is knowing God's love and loving him. It's all about love. It's all about being in this place of um, relationship with God, knowing his love and loving him. And with that, there's promises. There's all sorts of promises. Now, in 2010, when I had that, um, that thing in my neck, I had been walking with God for about eight years, and I had developed a very intimate relationship. The best way that I could, the best word that I can use is, I was captivated. I was captivated by God. I was captivated by his amazing love and how, how, what a good daddy he is. How he took care of every detail of all sorts of things. And so when, I, when he enlightened the scripture to me, I focused on that. I focused on my relationship with him. And this is the paraphrase that I used and that I still have as part of my um, declarations that I love to just meditate on. Because I've set my love upon you, Father God, you will deliver me. You will set me on high because I know and understand your name. I have a personal knowledge of your mercy, your love, and your kindness. 
I trust and rely on you, Father, knowing you will never forsake me. No, never. I shall call upon you and you will answer me. You will be with me in trouble. You will deliver me and honor me. With long life will you satisfy me and show me your salvation. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I would just meditate on all those promises and just enter into his love, enter into his love. When fear would attack me, I would meditate on his love. When fear would try to weigh me down, I'd say, Father, you love me. You love me. And I would enter into that rest again. Fear would, would wash off, and I would enter into that rest again. And I would say, your scripture, your word says that I have a long life. You'll satisfy me with a long life. You show me my salvation. And I know salvation is so much more than life after death. So that's a promise about God's love. 